Genesis chapter 3, there's trouble in the garden. Genesis chapter 3. Three weeks from today is Resurrection Sunday, and Lord willing, we're planning on a great day together in the house of God, and if uh, I could challenge you to do something, you're going to receive, if you've signed up for our emails, you will receive this week in your inbox a digital invitation I'm going to challenge you to forward that to at least five other people. Would you do that? Just five other people. If everybody could do that, that would get a lot of invitations out very quickly. I think probably could forward it to a lot more than that. But if you could do a minimum five, that would be great. Just so folks, and I'm going to encourage you, um, we're not looking to invite people that already go to church somewhere. We're looking to reach the lost, okay? So if you can invite some unsaved folks to come, Resurrection Sunday, and uh, it'll take them, just give them a link, and they can go to our registration pages, and all the services will be listed there. Right now we have 8.30 and 10.30, and if those fill up, we will add another service, all right? We'll just add services as we need them, and uh, we'll make sure that we uh, try to accommodate everybody on that day. So you'll receive a digital invitation. Now, if you're not receiving those emails, all right? If you're not getting them, we've sent out probably in the last three weeks about a dozen of those. And if you're not receiving them but would like to receive them, out on the table, just out in the hallway there, the round table that's about this high, there's connection cards on there. Just fill one out with your name, your address, and your email address, and we'll get you on that list, and you can receive those. Now, I noticed this week that two or three that signed up for those that you signed up yourself they bounced back, meaning one of your little digits in your email is off, all right? You gave us the wrong thing, or we copied it down wrong because we couldn't read handwriting or whatever. And so um, if you're not getting them still, even though you've submitted it, um, please go ahead and... and uh, I just sent one out yesterday. So if you didn't get one yesterday and you had signed up for it, please make sure that you get the correct email address to us, okay? And we will go ahead and take care of that. But uh, let me challenge you. Try to invite five other people, if you could do that. It's just a quick forward put their email address in. I'll put it, I'll make the body of the invitation such that it's not addressed to you personally. And you can just forward that over to whoever you would like and invite them. That's pretty simple, isn't it? You don't have to knock on a door. You don't have to get out of bed. You can just pick up your phone and do it right there. And so that's pretty simple. And if you could do that for us and then pray for those five. Amen. Somebody say amen. I mean, come on. We, We still pray at Bethel Baptist Church, right? And let's pray for those five, that they would come, that they would hear the gospel, and that the Lord might touch their hearts and be saved, okay? Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3. Now their serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. 
Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we examine this passage of Scripture, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts uh, exactly what it contains. Help us not to add or take anything from it. But Lord, just take the Word of God at face value. And Lord, apply it to our lives today. Lord, I pray that you bless your Word. And Lord, that you'd fill me with your Spirit. And may the Spirit of God speak to each one of us. And again, if there's one here today that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, Lord, that they would find the Gospel message all tied up right here at the beginning. Lord, for when sin crept into the world, so did the gospel. And we thank you for that amazing grace. Bless us now, we pray. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in some ways, we are very different than Adam and Eve. They were created in a perfect place. Placed in the garden with very little influence until the serpent came along. All they did was walk around with the Lord all day. They conversed with him. They enjoyed his fellowship. They received instruction from him. They were given of the garden to eat of, except for that one tree. One command is all they had to obey. The Bible says the serpent crept in and began to influence. When he influenced them, they made a choice. And they took of that fruit and they ate of that fruit. And they sinned against a holy God. Well, it's a little different for us. We were born with a sin nature. We inherited it. Adam and Eve took the ability to choose and they turned that into a sin nature. But we were born with it. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And though we started differently, We have this in common, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm acutely aware of that. I understand that I'm a sinner, but I've failed. I still sin. I still fail. I'm reminded of the great preacher Adrian Rogers once saying from the pulpit, and of all of his sermons that I've heard, this thing sticks in my mind the most. He says, if you knew my heart, you wouldn't let me be your pastor. Boy, such honesty and truth. But we're all in that same boat, aren't we? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth good. We all like sheep have gone astray. That's what the Bible says. I'm not here to run you down. I'm just here to share with you the facts today that we're all sinners. It impresses upon my heart today that the first sin that brought about death was not the sin of homosexuality. It wasn't the sin of abortion. It wasn't the sin of murder. It wasn't the sin of rape. We look at those things in our society and say, boy, that's, those are just wicked people over there. Literally, Eve took of a fruit and took a bite. It was simple disobedience to God's word that brought forth death. And so the truth of the matter is, is that those ones that we look and kind of castigate, and and, and don't get me wrong, we ought to preach against that sin. Homosexuality is sin. It's, It's against God. The Bible calls it an abomination. Romans 1 speaks about it being the judgment of God. 
Murder is sin, thou shalt not kill. And we understand that, that there is capital punishment in the Bible, the Old Testament, about, uh, about the one that takes another's life. And, and we know that rape is sin, and we know that abortion is murder. And we ought to preach against those things. But sometimes we use those great sins to justify our little sins. But if we look at Adam and Eve as if they had a little sin, we have to understand this sin brought forth death. It wasn't small in the eyes of God. It cursed mankind from that moment forward because of Adam and Eve's sin. I want to look at this a little bit this morning, if we could take a few minutes to look at this thing that took place almost 6,000 years ago in a garden. The trouble in the garden. We notice, first of all, that this sin took place with a simple disregard for authority. Yea, hath God said? Are his words really true? Do they really matter? Are you going to allow God to be the authority in your life? Satan tempted them with this thought, and he said in verse 1 that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And then in verse 5, he said this, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. They disregarded authority by saying, I will be my own authority. Why would I need a God when I can be as God? By the way, that's the same sin that Satan committed. Isaiah tells us about his sin being the sin of pride. I will rise up upon the holy hills and I will rise myself above his throne. And, and the Satan had this great issue of pride thinking I can be like God. And he passed that same sin on to Adam and Eve and saying, you can be like gods. He deceived them and had a disregard for authority. And somehow Eve took that promise from the devil and she said, I like what I'm hearing. I can be like a god. We see, first of all, uh, the sin that got them in trouble was a disobedience of a clear command. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, in verse 2, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said. Listen, read that again. God hath said. God hath said. Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Uh, they disobeyed a clear command from God. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, we read that same command almost verbatim. God said, of all the trees of the garden you may eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, ye shall not touch it, lest ye die. Eve recited it right back to the devil, saying this is exactly what God said. This is a clear command of God. Do you know often we get in trouble... Over the clear commands of God, it's not our preferences we have a problem with. We all have our checklist, don't we? Well, you shouldn't do this, and we shouldn't do this, and we got to be careful about this, and careful. And listen, it's good to have standards. Because the Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. Parents, you ought to have standards for your kids. These are some house rules. These are what time I want you home. And this is what, you know, there's some certain behaviors of things that you want them for. That's fine. You, you, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. You have the latitude to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, you'll not depart. You have a, a, a responsibility. 
And, and so we set all these standards and their preferences. And if some other parent is not raising their kids like we are, we kind of look down on them sometimes. How dare they let their child do that? What are they thinking? Keep in mind, it's a preference. A while ago, we were recording our services on a Wednesday night. I, uh, a couple Wednesday nights, actually. I didn't wear a tie. How many of you noticed that? How many of you watched? Yeah. I got, I got, a, I got a few people saying, you didn't have a tie on. Some were just lighthearted about it. Others were, you didn't, they're, they're kind of, why were you wearing a tie? This doesn't make anybody any more holy than anybody else. It's just a piece of fabric. As a matter of fact, I can't even understand why we wear them. I like it. I think it looks. I had somebody tell me this one looks like a fishing lure. But I, I, I like wearing a tie. I, I think it looks nice. I think it finishes the outfit. You know, I, but that night I didn't wear a tie. I just wore a jacket. And I thought in my heart, I wonder how many people this will, they'll give more attention to this than in the message. We got our preferences nailed out. What about the clear commands of Scripture? What about the things that are really important? What about God hath said? That's where Adam and Eve got in trouble. I, I imagine they had preferences in the garden as well. I imagine Adam and Eve sat around saying, well, maybe we, when we have children, maybe we'll do this with them. Well, we'll set this standard for them. We want them to honor the Lord in this way. And so maybe they had their own personal standards. That's not where they got in trouble. They got in trouble when they disobeyed a clear command from God. You know, the Pharisees, they could, they could divide up all the seeds, couldn't they? Cumin and all, and all, and they knew how to tithe on those. And God says, you forgot the weightier matters of the law. You forgot what's really important. Let's be careful that when we're talking about sin, that we're talking about the transgression of God's law. Not our preferences, not the things that we think should happen, but what does the Bible say? And Adam and Eve got in trouble when they disobeyed the clear commands of Scripture, but also they got in trouble when they disregarded critical consequences. For some reason, Eve forgot what she said, ye shall surely die. There was consequences to their sin. And for some reason, she was okay with it. She was comfortable in taking of this fruit and knowing that she was going to die anyway. And the Bible says in verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. It came down to this, Do I believe God or do I believe the devil? That's the choice that she made. She disregarded the consequences. You know, sometimes we will disregard consequences for little things, don't we? How many of you... Drove here and you went about five miles over the speed limit. Nobody's raising their hand. How many of you just lied in church? How many of you don't look at your speedometer so you complete the fifth? <laughs> you know, and we look at that, it's, ah, it's, it's just five over. What's it going to be, a $50 fine? You know what? I've been doing it for 20 years. If I get a $50 fine after 20 years, ah, not a big deal. Until you get your insurance bill and you get all the rest, right? We easily disregard the consequences thinking it's really not that bad. Eve's consequences were death for taking a bite of fruit. 
That really wasn't her sin. Her sin was a direct disobedience to God. How do we disregard the consequences? I think sometimes we think nobody will find out. Let me tell you this, God always knows. Be sure your sins will find you out. I can tell you from personal experience, you don't get away with much, friend. The devil will deceive, lure you in, and make you believe that ye shall not surely die. But it always comes home. It always comes back to get you. They disregarded some critical consequences. We're we're talking about the sin here. We're talking about a disregard for authority. They didn't worry about the clear commands of God. They disregarded the critical consequences of God. But then she had a a desire for carnal control. Look what it says in verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, that your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree did be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband and, and uh, with her, and he did eat. The devil says, you'll be as gods. And she says, that sounds good. And you'll notice in verse 6, the the carnality takes over, the flesh takes over, and she takes control of her own destiny. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food. And it was pleasant to the eyes. And it was desired to make one wise. All of a sudden, her flesh took over. Boy, that fruit looks good. Can I tell you this? That fruit probably did look good. And it smelled good. And I bet it tasted good. Because sin has pleasure for a season but just for a season. She took that fruit, and the Bible says immediately her eyes were open. She allowed her flesh to get the best of her. They disregarded the authority of God, and all these things came out in their lives. And you say, well, maybe they didn't know any better. They had never known what sin felt like. They had never experienced the consequences of sin. There had never been something in their hearts and lives that that taught them what the penalty of sin would feel like. I want to suggest otherwise to you. We see secondly in the scripture, they had a definite awareness of their sin. The Bible says in verse 7, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife and hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees. And the Lord God called on Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said this, verse 11, And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Who told you that? Oh, but they're not aware. No, the Bible says their eyes were opened and they knew. That word knew means to have spiritual understanding of the situation. And they knew that they were naked and they covered themselves with fig leaves. And God said, who told you you were naked? I'll tell you who told them. The conscience that God put within their hearts in the first place. That conscience that was supposed to tell them God did say not to touch that tree. That conscience that reminded Eve when the serpent asked, Yea, hath God said, and she repeated the words of God, and said, God has said that we might eat of every tree freely of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we are not to eat of it or touch it lest we die. It was that conscience 
that said to their hearts, you know you've done wrong. God wasn't around at the moment. And yet he put something in their heart that rebuked them. You know, I believe that God puts that conscience in everybody. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 11 that even a child is known by his doings. Listen to this. Whether his work be pure and whether it be right. Do you believe that God would hold a child to that standard if he had not put within their heart what is right and wrong? A general conscience. Now that conscience can be seared. We, we know of people that have been turned over to reprobate minds and that conscience is completely seared and destroyed and they know no remorse or pain or sorrow for their sin. But the Bible says even a child is known by his doings. God has put a conscience within every one of us and so we have a awareness of right and wrong. And then we see secondly, not just a spiritual awareness, but we see a selfish avoidance. The Bible says in verse eight, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden and the Lord God had called on Adam and said, on him, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. You see, when we sin, we begin to avoid. They were avoiding God. They were avoiding the one they had offended. They were avoiding the one they had sinned against, the one who had pronounced judgment preemptively upon their sin, and they begin to hide from him, but they also become selfish. The Bible says in verse 10, and he said, Adam, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. If I read the rest of the passage correctly, I think that Eve also heard his voice. And Eve was afraid, and Eve was naked, and Eve hid herself, but Adam only talked about himself. He became all about himself, trying to cover his own sin. There's a disconnect that is taking place when we sin against the holy God, and he begins to avoid God. It's a selfish avoidance. But then we see a sinful assessment in verse 12. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, Thy serpent hath beguiled me, and I did eat. In verse 11, God says to him, Who told thee that thou wast naked? And what has happened here, Adam? And Adam says, I blame her. God says to Eve, What happened here, Eve? And Eve says, I blame the serpent. Begin to try to hide from their sins. When they began to assess the situation, they would refuse to take responsibility for what happened. They had a definite awareness of their sin, and they knew what was about to happen, so they blamed others. But I want you to see about this sin, the third thing, a devastating aftermath. Look at verse 14. The Lord God, son of the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. And above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Genesis 3.15 is the first prophecy we see of a Messiah. A seed of a woman would come. And it'll bruise... Thy head, that seed, and thou shalt bruise his heel. We notice, first of all, when we think about this devastating aftermath, we see that the tempter was cursed. The tempter was cursed. 
That serpent, the devil, was cursed because he put an offense before Adam and Eve because he caused them to stumble. And I use those words on purpose because the Bible talks about offenses must come, but woe unto him who brings the offense. The Bible talks about us putting stumbling blocks before others and leading people into sin. And we must be very careful to understand that not just is the sinner cursed, but the tempter is cursed. I believe that God will punish us for that. We see the tempter was cursed, but we see the transgressors were corrected. In verse 16, we see what happens to Eve. It says, under the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children, and that desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles, and I won't read it all, but he says, you're going to toil by the sweat of your brow. The ground is cursed. In verse 21, verse 22, the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil, and now let us, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed in the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the tree of life. The tempter was cursed. The transgressors were corrected. The Bible says this, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Sin is always dealt with. God always deals with it. Be sure your sins will find you out. Let me give you some good news. I want to give you a desired affirmation. God affirms some things in this chapter for us as well. Adam and Eve had sinned. There's no debate about that. We can't get around that. You say, but Alfieri has sinned. I can't debate you on that. I can't fight you on that. I know it. But here's what I learned about Adam and Eve after they sinned. The Bible says in verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Let me ask you something. Do you think God knew where he was? Sure he did. He knew right where he was. Here's the thing. Adam and Eve sinned, and God still came looking for them. Here's the first affirmation from the Scripture. God loves the sinner. God still loves us, despite our sin. God came to Adam. He was hiding. He was ashamed. He was naked. And he heard the voice of the Lord, and he hid himself among the trees. And God says, Adam, where are you? And in that simple question, I hear the voice of God saying to my heart, I still love you. I still want a fellowship with you. 
I still desire to be with you. I'm still walking around this garden and my voice can still be heard. I love you, Adam. God loves the sinner. Here's the second affirmation I see in this passage. God's love provides a substitute. God's love provides a substitute. Read Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. Go back there for a minute. Just turn back a page. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, by the way, verse 16 says, and the Lord God commanded. This is God's command. These are God's words. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou shalt eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. Now the woman is speaking, Eve. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Genesis chapter 2, God speaks. Genesis chapter 3, Eve repeats. Let me ask you, do you think she understood what God said? It's pretty clear she does. It's exactly, almost, almost word for word, except for the part in the day that you eat thereof. But the rest is pretty much the same. If I eat the fruit, I'm going to die. That's what God said. Of all the trees, and, and, and she was specific, it's of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I know which tree I'm supposed to stay away from. I'm not supposed to look at it, touch it, eat it, or I'll die. She understood the rule. She understood God's command. There's no question about it. She understood the consequences of God's command. God said, you'll die. And she said, we'll die. Let me ask you, did Adam and Eve drop dead when they bit the fruit? No. Is God a liar? No. God's love provided a substitute. Look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20. Or sorry, wrong verse, 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Now, I don't know what all animals were there in the garden. There may have been some lions. There might have been some giraffes and bears and all kinds. I don't know what was there, all kinds of stuff. Adam named all the animals, so they must have come by there at one point. But I kind of think, and this this is not anything I can prove to you from the Bible. I'm just thinking that it was probably a couple lambs. I don't know why I think that. Well, I do know why I think that, but... I'm I'm making a big assumption. I think there might have been lambs. But I don't know. It doesn't say he made them wool sweaters. It says he made them out of coats of skins. I don't imagine those lambs or maybe lions or whatever it was walking around there were walking around without their skin on. You say, what are you getting at? Their blood had to be shed. Those animals had to be killed in order to be skinned. So something did die that day, and Adam and Eve spiritually were separated from God, and one day the penalty of death would be imposed upon them, but not for another 900 years for Adam or so, or however long, I don't know how old he was when he was in the garden, I don't know, but 
He he lived over 900. But on that day, a substitute died and allowed Adam to continue his fellowship. Listen, just because Adam and Eve were put out of the garden doesn't mean that God didn't continue to communicate with them. Read the rest, Genesis 3 and 4 and 5, and find out how God miraculously preserved their family and, and brought them to some incredible things that happened. There were some tragic things that happened as well. But God even spoke to Cain. So there was still communication. You say, why? Because God chose to bear, take his wrath out on whatever animals it was he killed to provide skins. Now listen, those skins they only covered. They only covered. Every year, the Jewish people would have to sacrifice as a covering for their sin. Well, praise God, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who died upon the cross, shed his blood, not just for a covering for my sin, but for a cleansing of my sin. Does that mean I'll be perfect? No, but I'll be forgiven. My sins can be washed away. John was writing to believers when he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to remove the stain, to clean us and make us right before God, that we can stand in the presence of God and worship him and know him and fellowship with him. But it's because of a substitute. Friend, God loves the sinner, and God's love provided a substitute when Jesus Christ took your place. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment this morning. Let me ask you this this morning. First of all, do you know Jesus as your Savior? This is just kind of get down to brass tacks here. The Bible is very plain. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every last one of us. Every last one of us. And we still sin. We still transgress God's laws. That's why Paul said the just shall live by faith. Couldn't possibly live by the law. Our flesh wars against our spirit. And the things I should be doing, I'm not doing. And the things I shouldn't be doing, I I am doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. But what is it you're trusting to forgive your soul, to forgive your sins, to cleanse you and make you whole? So I go to church. The church never shed its blood to cleanse you of your sin. Well, I'm doing good works. They never shed their blood. Never happened. But Jesus was our substitute. If the penalty of sin is death, God placed all his wrath upon his son, Jesus Christ. All of our sin was placed upon him And he paid the price for it on the cross of Calvary when he shed his blood. And today, you can't just be covered. You can be cleansed of all unrighteousness. Let me ask you, friend, do you know him today? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you been reconciled to God? I mean, that is the only way of salvation. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but through him. Maybe there's some saved people here today who are struggling with sin. Bring it to the Lord. Confess it. He'll cleanse you. 
make you right. Oh, that we would be right with God. Let's stand to our feet this morning as the instruments begin to play. If God has spoke to your heart, this altar is open.